Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy.
13, it says, You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. So the wages of a, of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. So that's how we deal with one another. That's taking advantage from one another. That's, that's not paying somebody what they're due. That's taking advantage of your neighbor. Well, you and I know that we are bought with a price and we are to live differently, meaning that how we live does matter. How we interact with one another matters. How we treat others matter. It, it speaks to what we believe in. It speaks to the deepness of our faith. It speaks to the transformative value of who God is. So stealing is more than just taking something. Stealing is how we conduct ourselves and how we interact with the world around us. The third thing we look at as we walk through this passage here is I want us to flip over to the New Testament book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 talks about the unrighteous. The unrighteous steward. But it looks at it as we, as we see the rich man and the manager here. There are some things which, which you have been given, which God has given you that's, uh, that's been bestowed upon you, but there's also a means that we are to give others and deal fairly with others. Now, in this chapter, chapter 16, we're going to primarily look at verses 1 through 18, and we're going to see how this is addressed in all of this. So the first thing in this, in this passage we look at in Luke chapter 16 is we look to the squandering of possessions. What does it mean to squander possessions? That means God has given you an eye some things in our lives which He has entrusted to us to use to build His kingdom. That's, that's in reality what we have been given. All that we've been given are to be used to build the kingdom of God. The things that we've been blessed with the most, we are to build in what God is doing. So let's look at these verses and let's see how it fits that narrative there. Verse 1 and 2, it says, He was also saying to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. In other words, he was not taking advantage of his possessions for the glorification of God. So he's squandering his possessions. But he had decisions to make, just like we all have decisions to make. Verse 2, and, it, and he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you, given an account of your management? For you can no longer be manager, squandering his possessions. Verse 3 and 4, it says, The manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he has decisions to make. But what comes about when this person who has squandered possessions has decisions to make and then payment is due? Verse 5, it says, And he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. He had a, he had a thing to be, to be done in all this. So the, the results of that is this, this manager 
or this master is, is actually giving, giving accolades to this person. In verse 9 it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. So how we act and how we interact and what we do with our possessions and, and what we do foremost with how we act and treat one another matters. We've been given more than we ever deserve. Amen? We, we think about what we have and we think about in, in terms of like things, you know? We think about things like this is a thing. We think about something we have. But how could I use what I've been given for the glory of God? You say, well, it pins something, you know, that doesn't do anything on its own. But when it's in the hands of a person, it writes, it draws, it does amazing things. But sitting by itself, what does it do? Can't do anything, right? See, God gives us so many things that He entrusts us to do something with. And we either squander or do good things for his kingdom's sake with what we've been given. So we have a choice not to steal from what God is trying to do in our lives, not to take from what God has done in our lives, but to make something of what God has done in our lives. So let's look at faithfulness and unrighteousness. Verse 10, it says here, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. Has anybody ever heard that verse? If you're faithful in the little things, then you can be trusted with much. How many times do you have to build trust with others before they really, really trust you? Anybody ever had to do that, build trust? Maybe you start a new job. Maybe you start in a new school. Maybe you start in a new place and you're saying, you know, people don't quite know me and how I'm going to act and how I'm going to lead and what I'm going to do. So I have to build trust and so they can trust me. But when someone trusts you with the small things, then they can trust you with the larger things. And he's saying here, he is who is faithful in very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous in much. So it matters, doesn't it? How we live out God's calling in our lives. It matters because you and I, God wants to trust us with more. God wants to lead more in our lives. He wants to be Lord of all in our lives. And the more that we allow God to take control of our lives and we take hold of the blessings He's given us, and we take hold of the things in our life He's given us, then the more that we're able to do for Him for His kingdom's sake. See, there's so many people that, that say, well, I've got all these things, and so I'm just going to hold on to them. I'm just going to set on them. I'm just going to keep them because I don't want to lose them. All that we have, all that we are, should be given to God. Amen? So everything that we have and everything that we are is His anyway. So we are to give to others. We are to be generous because God has been generous with us. But in verses 11 and following, it takes it a little bit step further here. Verse 11 says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Now, you think about that. You let that sink in. About being faithful with what you've been given, but also faithful in those things which are another's. 
what will you do with what is your own? Now let's look at verse 13. It says this, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Wait a second. We live in a society where you know, people pursue wealth, right? They look at what monetary things they can have, what things they can own, what electronic they could buy, what car they drive, the things that they obtain and they have. They're very proud of what they've worked for. But if it becomes something that takes ownership of your life, if it becomes something that you idolize in your life, meaning it comes into a place of worship, where you should worship only God, then you're not serving the Master. Amen? You're serving the things of this world. Now, all those things can be used for His glory. All those things can be used for God's sake. But in the right perspective, you cannot serve two masters. And there comes a point in your life where you realize the brevity of life right? You realize how short life is. If you live life long enough and lose enough people in your life, you realize how short life is. I think when you're young, you falsely think and naively think that life is just going to be forever and you got everything before you. But when you start going through life and you start looking in the rear view, it seems like there's more in the rear view than there is in ahead of you, right? We must understand and take advantage of every moment that God has given us to serve Him. And that means the things we have been given, the blessings which have come, we have to serve God and God alone. Because y'all, we can't be lukewarm and be the type of person that God has called us to be. And there are a lot of Christians that think that they can be one person on Sunday and be another person throughout the rest of the week. Or they believe somehow that this little small space or pocket of time, this is God's. This is God's time. This is God's money. You know, this little pocket of this is God's time and God's money. It should all be God's time and all God's money and all God's possessions because God has given us more than we ever deserve. More than we could ever do everything with. But we ought to strive for His kingdom's sake. We ought to serve Him and Him alone. Let's look at verses 14 through 18 to see what the Pharisees looked at here. Verse 14. Now, if you don't know the Pharisees, as this is the first time you've heard about the Pharisees, they were always trying to make... Jesus trip over his words, his actions, the law, the history. They were trying to make him falter because they wanted to be in power themselves and know more than him. It says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of man, but God knows your hearts. Oh, you're telling me that God knows my heart? That I can't pull one fast one on God? That, that He sees past all that which I try to put out there for others? You mean God sees it all? And so He says this here. Sees your hearts for which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. 
The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of a law to fail. Everyone, we see this. It, it takes it a little bit further. It says, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. It has a sense of law. You and I cannot make the law of God mean what it never meant. And there's a lot of folks today that are like, you know what, I think it means this. Or I think God's word means that. And so we say, well, I'm just guessing or I'm just spitballing out there what it means. But the reality is, it cannot mean what it never meant. So you must dig a little bit deeper. You must look a little bit farther in Scripture and say, God, what does it mean? What did it mean to the audience that was gathered there trying to figure out how to live this Christian life? If you look in the Bible, in Luke, in my Bible, it is in red. Amen? What does that mean to you? Who spoke about it? Who said it? This is Jesus Christ speaking. That should automatically cause you to pay attention. We look at throughout the Bible and we say, what? These are inspired words of God throughout the Bible, right? But these are in red. That means that He said it Himself. So He's saying, look, everything you've read, everything you've been told, everything that you know about Scripture is changing because I want you to know what's so important is to follow me and to live righteously with what you have been given. So breaking this passage apart and looking at it, there were harsh consequences during biblical times. If you were caught stealing, right? If you were caught stealing during biblical times, and let's say you were right-handed and you were caught stealing, <laughs> you're going to write left-handed from there on out, right? Because in biblical times, they would take this hand, and it would be no more. There were harsh punishments. They, you know, if it says, do not steal, the reality is, if God didn't give it, don't take it. It is a sense of understanding of where things come from and how we are to manage those things. So secondly, as we're looking to unpack this, how do we manage what God bestows? How do you and I manage what we've been given? And you might say, well, in my life, I have a little. But what are you doing with the little bit you have in your life? And some of you would say, well, I'm just overflowing in my life. I've been given so much. I have so many things. I have so much stuff. What are you doing with it? How are you utilizing it for the kingdom of God where you are? Well, what does stuff, what does stuff have to do with it? You can't take it with you, can you? You can't do anything with it to glorify God. And if you can't, then what are you doing? How are you living? God has given you and I more than we could ever repay. So you and I ought to live righteously with what we've been given. Essentially, 
there becomes a question in our lives that says this, that you and I, as we stand at the gates at the end of life, what did we do with what God has given us? Did we utilize it for personal gain or did we utilize it for the kingdom of God? Because essentially when you look at it like that, it's stealing from God when we don't appropriately use all that God has given us. It's taking from God and not using it and being unfaithful with that. So we look at faithfulness and unrighteousness and in our own lives, making it come home a little bit, we often wonder why God doesn't do more. I think the longer you live, someone in your life, if not you, has uttered the fact, I wonder why God does not do more. Well, he's asking you to be faithful with a little bit. And you can't even be faithful with that. God wants to do abundantly more and greater things in your life, but he wants to be able to trust you with the small things. So that when the greater things come, you realize where they came from. And you give glory to Him and you serve Him and His kingdom and His righteousness sake. See, there are many that have been unfaithful with the small things. And we expect God just to automatically come in with the big things. How many of you remember what it's like to build trust? with kids the more trust is given when they demonstrate that they are trustworthy right when you have teenagers and they start to drive parents you say be in or be here or be at that place and and the more that they are in at a certain time on time the more that they are where they're supposed to be the more that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing the more trust that you have right but the more they demonstrate that rebelliousness and they don't show up when they're supposed to or they're not where they're supposed to or they say they're going here and they go there, then you begin to trust them less. But how many of us have been entrusted with these things in our lives? Yet we haven't been honest with God. God isn't able to use us to the very best of His capabilities in us. So when it really comes down to it, it's trustworthiness. And the reality behind the statement really rings true. You and I cannot serve two masters. We can't serve God and wealth. We have to understand where our blessings come from and whom we serve. And you and I are to be holy because He is holy. We are to be righteous and pursue righteousness in our lives. That means that what we have, whether little or a lot, should be used for His glory. And if we've ever said, God, I wish you would do more, I think God's up there saying what? I wish you would too. Because thinking about what you have instead of what you don't have, is right where that starts. Because if we were ever to give an account for what we do have, we would find that we are more blessed than anyone anywhere in this world. Our blessings don't come from all the things which we can afford. Our blessings come from what God has afforded to each and every one of us. So lastly, we're, we're finishing this, unpacking this. The Pharisees continually attempt to trip up Jesus, don't they? 
Almost they are tr- like they're trying to outdo Jesus. Almost like they are thinking, maybe I will overcome what, what and who he is. How many of you, think about it like this, how many of you try to do or outdo a person who is an expert in their field? Anybody tried to do that? You know, it, it usually looks like this. I'm going to go and take my whatever to somebody who knows more than I do for them to work on it, but then I'm going to turn around and try to tell them how to do what they're supposed to be doing. How does that work? doesn't really work very well, does it? It doesn't really end out very well either, does it? Because if you're an expert in your field, you know that, right? And then someone coming to you and telling you how to do what you're asking them to do, that kind of causes issues as well. And how do we do that? How do we do that with Him? See, I realize this fact, and many of us do throughout life, you can't outdo Jesus. You can't. I can't. You can't. No man ever could. So the heart is the real issue that affects most people. And while most believe they can do and they have others fooled, you cannot fool Jesus. Because reality is, is He sees your heart. And the reality behind that is He sees your heart and still chooses to love you and me, right? He sees what no one else sees. And you thought, well, if somebody really knew me, they wouldn't really like the real me. Or if somebody really knew me and my thoughts, they wouldn't really... And then you, you think about it. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what tomorrow is going to take for you to make it through tomorrow. And He's blessed you beyond measure. What are you going to do with what He's been given, what He's given to you? How are you going to take full advantage of all that He has done in your life for the kingdom of God? Whether your time's way ahead of you and you think you've got your whole life in front of you, Or you think life's coming to a close. God still has something for you to do and accomplish with what He has given you. See, I I remember that it's Jesus who sees your heart and He chooses to love you. But He also died for you when you were at your very worst. He has a plan for you. And that doesn't matter if you're a brand spanking new, right out of the package Christian. Meaning yesterday you said yes to Jesus or today you say yes to Jesus. He has a plan for you until He calls you home. I like to think about it like this. Until He says, get in the truck, it's time to go home. Anybody ever got told, get in the truck, it's time to go home? Maybe I'm the only one growing up that got told, get in the truck. But maybe I just ran my mouth too much either way. But, um, but, You think about it, there's a time to where our time on this earth is going to end. And we give an account for what we have done or what we have not done with what God has given us. And God has given us more than we deserve. So on this day, I'm going to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you understand that love, that, that compassion that He has for you, that grace, that mercy that He gives out to you so freely but yet costly for Him? That when you were at your worst, Jesus died for you. So that you might live for Him.
for his kingdom's sake. And we live in a world that everybody's gotten their perspective out of order. And everybody is taught to think about themselves. And everybody is taught to do things differently and accumulate things differently. But spiritually speaking, you and I, you and I are not meant to be spiritual hoarders. We are meant to be those who give to God and give often to others. Because primarily, He has given so much to us. How will you give, live righteously before Him? Heavenly Father, God, we come this morning. God, we are so grateful to be in this place, God, in your house on such a beautiful morning as this, God. God, we are so grateful to be together, God, and just worship together and sing together and love on one another, God. And we're so grateful that we are getting things back like Sunday school in the coming weeks, God. We are so thankful that we are getting back all of these things like Awanas this week. We are so thankful, God, that you are continuing to bless friendship. But God, you've blessed each and every one of us in little and big ways. And God, you want to do some pretty amazing things in our lives, God. But you've called us to be faithful with the small things, God. You've called us to serve you and you alone as man cannot serve two masters. God, I, I pray that all that we do and all that we are is for the furtherment of your kingdom, God. God, everything that we have, God, you've blessed us immensely with. So God, why not we use that for your glory? God, you have given us so much God and so many of us just hold on to that but God our things were never meant to control us God you were so God I pray as we look at what we have or we don't have God we be we try to be faithful in the small and as you do amazing and greater things than we can fathom or understand God I pray that we praise you even in that God, I just ask us to search our hearts and minds right now, God. How we might live differently in a world that wants us to be focused on us. God, we've got to be focused on you. Heavenly Father, in a world that says take what you want, God, we've got to look at what we've been given. Father, you have blessed us beyond measure, so today, God, we say thank you. It's in your name we pray, the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.